We have come to my favorite time of the year, the holiday season. Uh, I'm so thankful that Thanksgiving is Thursday. Do you know why? Nope. Good guess. That is a really good guess for me. Food. The reason is so that we can get Thanksgiving out of the way and we can move on to the real holiday here, and that's Christmas. I absolutely love the Christmas season. There's nothing better than this time of year. Uh, with the Christmas decorations, I can't wait to put my Christmas tree up. can't wait to put up our decorations. Uh, this is the, the, just the absolute best time of the year, and it starts this week. But while this is my favorite time of the year, I have to be honest with you, it's not my favorite time in the country cycle of four years. Because do you know what's starting up already? Election talk. And from now until next November, what is going to dominate the news? Election talk. Guess what's going to dominate your, your commercials while you're watching TV? Smear campaigns from one end to the other. And it just dominates the news. And there's nothing that divides people more than politics. And so for the next year, we're going to hear all this. Not to mention what's going on right now in the political arena are the impeachment hearings. And through all of this, what are people thinking? Who can we trust? Who can we trust? This side says one thing, this side says the other, and the divide is becoming greater and greater where people are actually talking about, is there going to be another civil war? Because that's how divided people are becoming in the political arena. And so what do people do? Why do people become so passionate? Because they're looking for that next leader, the one they can put their hope in the one they can put their trust in, the one that's going to bring peace, security, and safety, the one that will bring us peace and unite us. Who is it? Who can we trust? What leader can you look to, to for that? That same question that's being asked today, was being asked in 590 B.C. in the kingdom of Judah. A lot has happened in Israelite history in the Old Testament to get them to this point. And so let me just explain briefly the history. I'm going to show you a map here. This is the map. Uh, so this is what was Israel. All of this was the kingdom of Israel at one point. Uh, if you know King David, King Solomon, they lived around 1000 B.C. Solomon uh, died around 970 uh, BC, uh, this was all one big country. When Solomon died, there was a civil war and it split into two countries. The kingdom of Judah was the south and the kingdom of Israel was the north. The kingdom of Israel, their kings immediately started leading, down, leading the people down a morally corrupt state. They led them into Baal worship. They led them into all kinds of false god worship. There was corruption in the government. There was all kinds of evils in the kingdom of Israel. So much so that roughly around just 200 years later, God said, enough. And a country to the north called the Assyrian Empire came down and just completely wiped out Israel. 
completely wiped them out. Uh, there's no trace of them really anymore. The kingdom of Judah, their relatives to the south hung on and they watched all this happen. And the people had to be thinking, we don't want that to happen to us. Who can we trust? What leader can we put our hopes in to avoid all that? Because we don't want that to happen to us. The kingdom of Judah uh, in the 600s experienced uh, a silver age, they called it, where there was a re reformation. They got back into the word of God. Josiah found the law. If that sounds crazy, the, the kingdom of Judah, God's people, lost the Bible. And they found it again. They got back into the word. Uh, the economy was booming. But then what happened after Josiah died? It went straight back to how it used to be. The people were looking for hope. The people were looking for a leader they could trust in. They were looking for somebody to bring them peace, security, safety. And then this new hotshot king came on the throne. His name was Jehoiachin. And people looked to him. Will he be the ne next leader that we need? Like a Josiah. Will he be that person to unite us? And unfortunately, it was more of the same. If not worse. And finally... God said, enough. And he sends Jeremiah the prophet to the king and to the people with this message. We're in Jeremiah chapter 23. Here's what Jeremiah says. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. God addresses the shepherds. Who are the shepherds? The kings, the priests, the people, the leadership. Absolutely. Those who were leaders over the people who were supposed to do what? Bestow care on God's people. God addresses them and says, You have scattered my people. You have not cared for them. And because of it, I'm going to bring punishment. Living in Jerusalem at this time was not an enjoyable experience. Uh, the people remembered the Silver Age where they had more than the necessities of life. Where the economy was booming, they had more than they needed. They had the luxuries of life. And now the economy had turned down. And what happened? People weren't content with the necessities of life. They wanted more. And so what were they willing to do? Just about anything. They were willing to get more by dishonest gain, by oppressing the innocent, and, and becoming guilty of extortion if it meant they could have more for themselves. And the people were crying out. They were looking for that next leader. And so who do they turn to? Jehoiachin, their king. But what did they find from him? He was guilty of oppressing the innocent. He uh, committed violence against foreigners, against the fatherless, against the widows. He would kill innocent people. He even went so far as to say, I want a new palace and my people, you're going to build it for me and you're going to do it for free. So they'd work 10-12 hour days and not get a dime. Essentially, he enslaved his own people. 
And if that wasn't bad enough, he too, like the nation to the north, the kingdom of Israel, he led their people into Baal worship, into idols, away from the true God. On top of all of this, the kingdom of Babylon from the east is pressing in and he's not listening. And the people are throwing up their hands saying, this guy is going to get us killed. So where do they turn? They turn to the next shepherds, the priests. Maybe they will speak out against the wickedness. Maybe they will speak out against uh, these evildoers and the corruption and get people back into God's word and yet they turn to the priests and what do they find from the priests? They are prophesying not by God, but by Baal. They were guilty of committing adultery. The priests. They didn't speak out against corruption, didn't speak out against evil, didn't speak out against the wickedness. And instead, what did they do? They strengthened the, the hands of the evildoers to continue in their wicked behavior. And the people were looking for that next hope. Who is going to lead us? Who can we put our trust in? What leader is it going to be? And yet, what did the people have to realize? It's what we have to realize. And it's your first point this morning. When you look at the world, it's hard to find someone to rely on. It's hard to find a leader to rely on. Generally speaking, they all disappoint. Generally speaking, they all disappoint. I don't think it's hard to see the similarities between 590 B.C. and today, right? People today are not content with the necessities of life. And we see all kinds of immoral behaviors to gain more. They will get it by dishonest gain. They will oppress the innocent. They will get it by extortion. They don't care, they just want more. And so people look to a leader to carry out justice, to do what's right. And yet we turn to the government and there's just as much corruption there. We turn to the government and righteousness isn't carried out. Justice isn't carried out. Who can we hope in? Who, which one of our political leaders would, say that, would you say that actually cares about you and not their own political agenda. And so where do people turn? They turn to the church. And what do we find in churches? Some churches are more concerned about social issues than they are about preaching God's Word. Some churches aren't willing to stand on God's Word and, and speak against the wickedness, speak against the corruption, speak against all the evil, but instead they strengthen the hands of those who are wicked. The pastors let their people down by not being there, myself included. The pastors aren't there when they're needed. They miss meetings. They let people down. And people turn and say, who can we, who can we hope in? And then we get this thought in the back of our mind. If only they just would, have, would listen to me. If only I, I could lead, if only I had a say, I would do way better than all these people. And yet, as we look at our own track record of the little flock that God has put us in charge of, our family, how have we done leading them? 
Moms say things that they don't follow through on. Dads, you make promises that go unfulfilled. We say things that aren't, caref- or aren't loving. We do things out of selfishness instead of out of what is selfless and what is best for the family. And so we look. And we look and we look. Who is that leader? And we constantly are looking and we're constantly disappointed. And then we hear God say this. What he says in verse 2. I'm going to punish those leaders who aren't caring for my people. And we hear that. And do we think just a little bit, is this another empty promise from another leader? Because I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen any of the, the leaders who are supposed to care for me, I haven't seen them punished. Is God just another politician with empty promises? God has more to say. And He says, not only am I going to punish them, but here's what else I'm going to do. Verse 3, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. What does God say? Not only am I going to punish these leaders, but I'm going to gather the flock together again. And notice what he says. Who's driving the people away? He says, I have driven them away. Why? Because the leadership in Jerusalem had become so bad that God said, it's better for my people. They're going to be more cared for in a foreign nation than over these kings and these priests here in Jerusalem. So God says, I'm going to drive them away. And as the people were walking away, as they were walking to Babylon, which eventually happens, I wonder if they were thinking, does God even care? Does God even care? We look at our life too and we say, does God even care? Look at what I've been through. Look at where our country is at. Look at all the lying and the breaking of the Eighth Commandment that is going on. Does God even care? But God's promise to the people came true. Came true. If you're familiar at all, the the last two kings, Jehoiachin was the second to last king, Zedekiah was the, the absolute last king of Judah. And do you know what happened to both of them? Nebuchadnezzar came over from Babylon and took Jehoiachin prisoner and brought him over to uh, Babylon where he was prisoner. He then set up Zedekiah as the last king of Jerusalem and Zedekiah rebelled against Babylon. So what did Nebuchadnezzar do? He came over and not only did he arrest Zedekiah, he killed his two sons in front of his eyes and then plucked out his eyes. So the very last thing that Zedekiah saw was the death of his sons. And then he died as a prisoner in Babylon. God said, I'm going to punish these shepherds for the lack of care on my people. And then do you know what God did? Seventy years later, He gathered the remnant of the flock. 
and brought them back to Jerusalem, where he put shepherds over them who cared for them, where he put shepherds over them who led with righteousness and justice. God's promise came true, which is good news for us because the next promise that God makes is even more incredible. Here's what he says. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is a name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. God says the days are coming when I'm going to raise up another king and this king is going to be different than all other kings. He's going to reign how? Wisely. He's going to reign with justice and right and righteousness. He's going to do what's just and right in the land. And here's how you're going to know him. His name? The Lord, our righteous Savior. God says this king is going to be completely different. Completely different. And we see that at the birth of our Savior. This is a prophecy, 590 B.C., that is fulfilled when Jesus is born. Jesus is born into the world and we see the branch from King David's line, the righteous branch born into this world who would be completely different. How is he completely different? He cares about you. He loves you. He rules all things with you in mind. And we see that at His very birth. Because what happened at His birth? Jesus left His throne. He left His all-powerful throne where death couldn't hurt Him, where nothing could overtake Him, and He became a human. Weak, like you and me. Susceptible to sicknesses and disease, like you and me. Susceptible to even death. What would cause somebody to do that? Only love. And only care for you. Because Jesus wants you to live in safety, in security, in peace. And in order for that to happen, sin and death needed to be conquered. And so our Savior became one like us. And God raised Him up as that righteous branch, that righteous King and that's what he was. He lived this life righteously. Not just externally, obeying the, the laws outwardly, but he was righteous in himself. Earning God's love and acceptance. And then just like you and me, as we endure a corrupt government, so did Jesus. What was true in 590 B.C. is true today and was true in the first century as Jesus endured injustice at a corrupt Roman government and a corrupt church where they condemned an innocent man to death. But do you know what happened when Jesus died? He paid your immigration fee. Your immigration fee to heaven. His heavenly kingdom, His heavenly home, so that now you're just strangers here, waiting to get to your eternal home where Jesus, your King, is reigning forever. This is the only king, the only leader who absolutely cares about you more than he cares about himself. 
This is the only leader that you have that, that leads with more of your uh, eternal good in mind than his. He is ruling all things for you. And so what does this mean? This means a couple things. Number one, when you're feeling inadequate, when you're feeling inadequate to stand before your God, Jesus says from His throne, I declare that you are adequate. You are adequate before God. It doesn't matter how you feel, I declare you are because of me. As you come to Him and you feel guilty for all of your past actions, for everything that you do week after week, Jesus sits on His throne and He says, I de My decree is you are forgiven. Completely forgiven because of Me. As you or a loved one is sick and, and death is a real possibility, Jesus says from His throne, Be at peace. Let your heart be at rest. You have safety and security and peace waiting for you in My eternal kingdom where I reign with justice and righteousness. As you endure bad leadership, as maybe your parents uh, abused you as a child, or uh, you're enduring a corrupt government, or you had problems with the court system, know that they will all have to answer to your king. And they will bow. And Jesus says, I will punish and finally, as you approach your king and you have requests for him and you pray to him, know that he's answering in the best way for you because you have a king who reigns wisely. If he says no, it's for your good. If he says yes, it's for your eternal good. He reigns for you. You see, the reality is, and this is your second point, there is only one king who will never disappoint and it's our King Jesus. Our King Jesus. From the very moment of creation, He had you in mind and He's been ruling all things for your good. He's the only one who truly cares about you. And so what do we do? Let's focus on the King and not the kingdom in which we live. We want to be united. We want to not be hating. We want to not be divided. And so what do we do? We focus on the king, our true king. As the election happens over the next year, you can back your candidate, and it doesn't matter which one. That's up to you. But remember, your true king is the one who brings you true peace, true security, and true safety. As you go through life, and you're looking for someone to hope in, someone to rely on, don't put somebody in the place where Jesus, your King, is. He is the one who you rely on. He is the one you care about. He is the one who's ruling all things for your good and brings you that peace, security, and safety that your heart desires. Focus on the King, not the kingdom in which you live, and you will have that peace, security, safety, because He rules wisely. He rules with justice and He rules with righteousness. Let's ask God's blessings on this as we live out our lives here. Dear Jesus, we thank You that You rule all things for our eternal good. We thank You that You are like no other king. 
uh, because you truly do care about us and you are ruling selflessly for us. We ask that as we live our lives in this uh, country and in this world today, uh, that we don't find our peace and our hope and our security in, in a, a person, but we find it in you, our true king. Uh, we look forward to the day when you bring us to our eternal home and you welcome us home to your eternal kingdom uh, where you live and we will live for eternity. That is our true home, and we look forward to the day in which you bring us uh, to your side there. We ask you to be with us, continue to bless us, and strengthen our faith every day. Amen.